It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Welcome to another episode of Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thank you so much for being with us. My name is Mike Bernard. I am your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners. Here with me in the KFG studios, as always, my friends and business partners, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Yeah, and we're just past the halfway point of 2019. So it's time to check in on your investments to see how things are going and really make sure you've got the right structure for the second half of the year as well. So our investment update and our insights on what's driving the markets coming up on today's show. You know, we have another exciting update as well we're going to get to later in the program. Kevin Corhorn's fresh off a two-week mission trip with his wife and and daughter and several friends um, from Liberia. We're going to tune into that as well. Um, But we want to talk about what you're thinking about, and everyone's thinking about the market right now. It's high and there's risks, and there's an election. I think there's an election next year. I don't know. Uh, I'm not really political. But uh, but everyone's talking about this and thinking about it, so we're going to be talking about it today. If you have a question, and I know several of you have sent in questions, texted, emailed, and called in. Thank you for that. We've got a queue. We've got a list that we're going to be getting to hopefully later in the program. Um, if you have a question, reach out to us. We'd love to help. 574-222-2000. You can call or text 574 222 WiseMoneyRadio.com is how you find us online, and you can submit a question right there on the right. Uh, by the way, Wise Money blog just posted a blog about uh, the, what's going on in the markets. And so if you want a little more content about what we're talking about today, go to WiseMoneyBlog.com. And then all over social media, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, just search Wise Money Show. And even every episode's on podcasts as well. I know with summer vacations and traveling and all that sort of stuff. You know, and podcasts are just more popular anyway. People love listening to podcasts. I do. And so you can find us there as well. Just search Wise Money Show and submit comments and questions and like and rate and all sorts of stuff. Thank you very much. All right. Here's my favorite quote. And I uh, or it's the quote du jour when it comes to investing these days. And that is, at all times, the stock market seeks to prove as many people wrong as possible. <laughs> How many people were coming into this year saying, oh, this is going to be turbulent and it's going to be awful. I, I, I kid you not, I first started hearing about the investor concerns of 2019 back in 2016 and 2017. People were saying, well, I know the stock market's going up right now, the election, you know, whatever. But 2019, I hear, that's when it's going to really be bad. Now, we're halfway through. It surprised a lot of people, surprised me. And we're going to talk about why and so on. But before we jump into those whys, let's hit the what. What actually happened? Yeah, I mean, if if you were trying to guess what area of the investment world was the hottest in the first half of the year. It's been a hot summer, so maybe (laughs) at least here in the U.S. It took a while getting there, but (laughs) it was actually real estate. Real estate was the best performer in the second half, or the fir- sorry, the first half of 2019, uh, up over 19%. Followed closely, though, 
by large U.S. stocks. This is the area that probably dominates most people's investment portfolios. And if the the largest portion of your investment portfolio is uh, second in line on great performance, you know it's been a great year for most investors. Up 18.5%, the large U.S. Uh, stocks. Most people... I have just been um, gravitating towards more and more large U.S. stocks in their portfolio. They just, uh, the way that we see it, and and I would argue against that, even though it's the second best performer. Um, But here again, we have more evidence that, yeah, you might, certainly you would feel compelled to load up because international investments had a great first half, but they were only up 14.5% and emerging markets up just about 11%. So there again, U.S.-based investments did a little bit better, which is, you know, sort of extends its streak. International investments have outperformed U.S. just one out of the past six years, I believe. You know, great performance in certain areas of your investment world cause you to just naturally overweight as well, just because they're growing faster than other areas. For example, if you have bond exposure in your portfolio, up 6%, which is a good, solid year for bond investments. We often think of those as more of your safe, steady, and predictable types of tools that help to diversify and help reduce risk. But uh, in the first half of the year, boy, uh, risk was your friend. And volatility that goes up is uh, is often welcomed, right? But that is also strange, because everyone would have said, interest rates are going to go up, so watch out for bond investments. Bonds posted a positive 6.1% for the first six months. That's incredible. That's incredible. Small cap stocks came in at 17%. Commodities, uh, positive as well. Five percent. So, uh, quite a, a, a dispersion there. However, everything positive in in the main areas, uh, the main categories. Um, it's so kind of unusual, isn't it? Very unusual for for every investment category to be up at the same time. Uh, th- that doesn't happen all the time. Also, it's not likely or it's not uh, usual that everything would be down at the same time either. Although it does occur. And if we're looking, if if we were doing this show a month ago, the market would have been barely positive for the year. Yeah. So really, what what happened happened in June for the most part. There's a there's a big a big lift uh, in June in the markets. You're right. If you just heard me clicking there, I was double checking something Josh just said. Pretty much all major asset classes are up, and as Kevin mentioned, that's pretty much happened in the past month and a half. Um, Rarely are they down all at the same time. 2018 they were. The only thing positive in 2018 was cash. Mm -hmm. And so many people were surprised by that because everything was positive going into the fourth quarter. And then everything went negative. And so, pretty crazy. One other thing I just threw out there, I saw this stat. I didn't get a chance to confirm it, but you know, the internet's always right. Um, (laughs) This is the best first six months in the stock market, when I say stock market, that's U.S. large capital stocks, since 1997. Let me say that differently, because to me, 1997 doesn't sound like that long ago. Uh, that's that's 20 years ago. That's 20 years ago. This is the best first six months in the market in 20 years, coming off a pretty scary fourth quarter. 
Yeah, I, if you were going to survey investor sentiment, you no one was thinking we would see the six months like this. But again, mm-hmm. it's not the six months like this. It's the last month like this. Yeah. That's what that's what you really point to. So you could have been five months into the year and looked at your May ending statements if you are a statement checker and been discouraged and said, well, you know, last year uh, was a negative year and this year so far it's not doing much. And so I probably need to be thinking about moving to safety. And I've we've had those conversations. Mm-hmm. And if safety is congruent with your long-term plan, then absolutely you should be thinking about safety. But if, but if that's not consistent with what you need to be doing for the long term, you need to stay the course because the people that didn't stay the course are looking now saying, man, I wish I would have captured that. There are people that were that have been conservative since 2012 waiting for the other shoe to drop and it and it just hasn't dropped the yeah. the you know the the Dow Jones Industrial Average oh, that's not the market but it started at 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 233 this year and is at 268 at the end of June. So when when is that time? And again, if you are if you are a long-term investor, you're celebrating that. If you're short-term, if you're putting money in, you should be a little bit bummed out that the market's up. Yeah, I think you're cautioning against going from growth, growth, growth to suddenly swinging back to the complete opposite end of the spectrum and trying to get too conservative. But it is important during these good times to reevaluate and make sure that you're not taking more risk than your long-term uh, goals would would require, yeah. and and that can naturally happen as time goes on. We get a little bit lulled to sleep on uh, what risk really means in a portfolio, and th- there are many folks who are taking more risk in their portfolio today than they were a decade ago, and that may be appropriate for them. But then again, maybe not. And that's why it's important to pause periodically and reevaluate the portfolio, make sure it's still in the right position for you. But how do you know? Right position for you. Is that based on your emotion? No, it's based on your financial plan. It is based on what your goals require, what your financial plan requires. We're getting ahead of ourselves. We still need to talk about what drove these results and then what possible themes are ahead. We're not forecasters. There's no crystal ball in the studio. Check YouTube. There's nothing in here. We're just talking. So we're we're going to talk about what might lie ahead for themes and then really driving it down to what should you be doing about it. So a lot more here to come on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. What should you expect in the investment world, in your investments, for the second half of 2019? We've got that and more coming up here on Wise Money. Thank you very much for being with us. My name's Mike Bernard, here with Josh Gregory and Kevin Corhorn in the KFG Studios. want to thank our sponsors, the attorneys at South Bank Legal. Thank you very much, as well as First State Bank. We've got uh, an episode coming up where we've got, I believe, Darla from First State Bank is going to be joining us, talking about banking, what's going on in that world. So thank you very much for sponsoring the content. If you have a question, we're talking about 
investment, so I'm, I'm sure you do. If you have a question, reach out to us. 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. Online, again, wisemoneyradio.com, also wisemoneyblog.com, and then all over social media. Uh, just search Wise Money Show. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, podcast, wherever you listen, all that sort of stuff. You can leave comments there. You can leave questions there. I'd encourage you to subscribe to it, like it, share it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So we talked about the performance from the major uh, investment categories. And but now before we get into implications, I want to talk about, well, well, what drove that? So why? Why did the why did the market have such an incredible first six months? You know, I, it'll be interesting to hear your perspectives on this as well. But um, I, I really attribute an awful lot of the growth to the interest rate environment, or at least the investment world's expectations of where interest rates might go. See, Kevin, he agrees with me. I, yeah, I, I didn't want to take <laughs> a side this early, but it's, um, it's fine if you're both wrong. <laughs> here's the reality. Coming into the fourth quarter of last year, interest rates were a concern because things had gotten a little squirrelier. They were they were starting to get to the point where short-term interest rates were as high as long-term interest rates. And that's not really a natural place for the economy to be. In fact, some people point to this kind of upside-down interest rate environment as uh, a precursor to recession. And the investment. Some, some people say that. Actually, all of the data. Well, I, I know, but a lot of people all the data, try to refute uh, that. Yeah. Go right? ahead and yeah, yeah. ruin the story like, with the facts there, like, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Kevin. Um, so, we're in this environment where people are starting, investors are believing that it's possible a recession could be forecasted maybe a year or more out and start clamoring for the Fed to start lowering interest rates. And the more more data that comes out that would support that theory or support that request, um, maybe the more optimistic the market has become. The market all year has been essentially predicting that the Fed is going to lower interest rates. Even in light of them saying, no, we're just going to hold interest rates, maybe we'll be open to lowering interest rates. And now, most recently, we're willing to do what it takes on interest rates. So the Fed's language has been changing. But it's been changing to more uh, or better align with what the markets have been forecasting anyway. So I personally believe, not that you can point to any one thing, but if you look at the prolonged growth of, of this year, interrupted in May, uh, I think it's the market pricing in the hope of an interest rate cut. That's my take. Your yep. rebuttal, Mr. Corhorn. Well, I, I just, I, I, I don't think there's a snowball's chance that there's going to be a rate cut. <laughs> I agree. And so I think, in the interesting thing is the market is a leading economic indicator. So it's not, the market isn't telling us what's going to happen this afternoon. It's going to tell us, it's telling us what's happening this afternoon, nine months or 12 months from now. So right. when you look at that, you say, well, okay, it's, this is, it's predicting uh, the future here. That's what, that's that's what the market is doing. And I I just look at all of the reasons because I hear them from the folks that we serve why the market should be going down and why they they come and share their worries and their concerns and their anxiety and tell me why it's 
legitimate. And you can't argue with it, right? You can't argue. Yeah, there's saber-rattling happening in uh, with Iran. And are we going to go to war with Iran? What's going to happen? Who did what to whose ship? And there's all this crazy stuff happening there. There's a trade war happening with China, and China comes to the table and says, yes, we'll do this. And they say, actually, no, we won't. And... Um, the, there's huge issues with intellectual property in do in trading with China. What one of the things that's that is actually happening is a lot of the business that was the the commerce that was happening between the U.S. and China is now happening in the smaller countries around China, and so all kinds of interesting things are happening. But you could, if you if you wanted to make a case, and you 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 could only read the news, but you couldn't see the stock market results for the first half of this year, you'd say the, the market's down 10 to 15 percent. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yep. So if you just read the headlines or even if you just read the news, you would make a case that with all of these things happening, um, it's and really, when you look at this, the next thing that people are going to be um, screaming about is inflation fears. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and another thing that we're that we should all be um, paying attention to that it seems like almost no one is is the deficit yeah and so there there are all these reasons why the stock market should be anemic at best and yet it continues now the interesting thing though when, when we look at that with some sort of perspective in the story is best told in looking at small capital stocks so stocks that have a market capitalization or value of their outstanding shares of a billion or less, let's say. So still big companies. I right. mean, these are big companies, but yeah. in the grand scheme of things, considered small. Yes. Big yet small. Yes. So um, glad I clarified that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay. So I mean, so so small caps are up basically seventeen percent year to date. So from January to June 30, they're up 17%. But if you said from June 30 of this year to June 30 of last year, they're down 3.31%. So if you walked in a year ago and said, hey, Mike Bernard, I hear you on the radio all the time. I'd like to put uh, $1,000 in just small caps because I'm a big believer in small caps and I'm I'm a dice roller and I don't want any kind of financial advice. Just put... I wouldn't do it, by the way. I know you wouldn't, but just, but any, your money's down. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing. If you and you're shocked by that, right? Because you're saying, how in the world am I? Am I negative? I keep hearing the markets at all time highs. All this is possible, yeah. right? So it's so it's interesting to have some sort of perspective to say, because we arbitrarily look at periods of performance, and and today we're arbitrarily looking at the first six months, and I say, yeah, but if you took this and extended it and made it a, a, a nine month so it was a three quarters update yeah. <laughs> uh, that's not half time it's three quarters time but anyway if you did that um no anyway yeah but no, you would go back and you'd grab some of the the negative months there and where it began i mean it really it really what you'd want to do is go back to december um 20. 24th was the uh, was the the low. Yeah, but if you went back Eve. to the end of September, the market was up, and now you're basically back to where you basically were in even. September. Yeah. 
so uh, several things were hitting there. I, I, I actually do agree that the Fed and interest rates and all that's really driving the market a lot. I think. Um, I think connected to that, also this recession fears. I, 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 we were talking before the show that I mean we actually have, I mean strong GDP. I mean we'll see what comes out at the end of the month here um, for the second quarter, but we actually have had strong GDP even in the, in the first quarter when they expected it not to be as strong, um, although stronger than <laughs> a few years prior, and it came in better than that. But but everyone is concerned about an upcoming recession and I would just remind I, I've got to remind myself because I'm emotional too but I, I would just remind you the point of investing is not to avoid recessions that's not that that is not the way that's not the strategy and, the, and, and the, so there's no way to yeah. predict when it's going to come we haven't had a recession in 10 years so that means it's potentially more likely that we'll see one here soon I, yeah I agree with that but I don't know you don't know you know what they say about generals generals are always fighting the last battle and it feels like it, right now investors want to fight the last battle we're we're in the longest expansion ever in the history of the United States economic expansion. economic expansion yeah. breaking the record of 120 months from March of 91 through March of 2001 yeah it's incredible okay so what should you be doing about it right what, what's ahead what should you be doing should is it now a good time to rebalance should you get more aggressive should you get less ag- aggressive with the market being so high what does all this mean for you we've got that and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. What should you be doing with your investments right now? With the market doing everything that it did the first six months after what it did in the fourth quarter of last year, what should you be doing with your investments? That is just ahead here. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being with us. My name is Mike Bernard coming to you from the KFG studios across from me, Kevin Corhorn. As as always, between us, Josh Gregory, thank you to Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett and her Inspired Homes team of realtors serving Michigan and Indiana. Thank you for your partnership. If you have any questions, reach out to us. WiseMoneyRadio.com is how you find us online. Submit a question right there on the right. All of our social media, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, podcast, all that, you can you can submit questions that way, comments there as well. Just search Wise Money Show. And then, of course, you can call or text 574-222-2000. A lot of people text their questions in. So you can do so, 574-222-2000. All right, we've got a couple exciting announcements or um, or updates, if you will, before we dive into what you should be doing with your money right now. And uh, the first is uh, happy anniversary. Happy anniversary to both of you. To oh. to and you as well, my friend. To Corhorn <laughs> Financial Group, we on July nineteen, right? That's right. Nineteen ninety four. We've cel- we celebrated our our. 25th anniversary just yesterday as a as a company and really that dates back to you know Kevin with his vision and dream and ambition getting things started so kudos kudos to you it's very exciting well I I would love to um, take some credit but um, I can't really the only thing I can look at is that we have been blessed 
Absolutely. And, um, it's a tribute to just putting your left foot in front of your right and trusting God that he's going to do um, what only he can do, and he has. And um, it's also a tribute to the many, many uh, people that have come to serve the folks that God brings to us to serve. And it's been, it has been an amazing run. And if you would have told me 25 years ago this was possible, um, I'd I dreamed it was, but I I wouldn't have believed it. I was going to ask you that. When you started your career as a financial planner in 1994, were you, were you believing that that was the start of a growing business, or was it just a start of a new career possibility for you? Well, if I go back 25 years ago, um, it's, it's kind of funny, not funny. Um, I... I was a year in, basically almost a year into being married. A year after I graduated, this was uh, my third job because I had worked at Camp Raybird and realized that wasn't where I was supposed to be. And then um, I went to work at a meat packing plant with the goal of just bringing home more money every two weeks than my wife did, <laughs> who was a teacher. Always the competitive nature, right there. Well, I, you know, I just I needed I needed just a little overtime every uh, pay period to. Um, to do that. And I thought, okay, well, that's what I want to do. And then I was, I was just kind of praying about what am I supposed to be doing? God said, we'll use your degree. And it's and my degree was in finance and I didn't, I wasn't really interested in the corporate world because I'd been in the army and I saw what a bureaucracy looked like. And so, uh, as, as I got started 25 years ago, I remember that time because there was, there was, I wouldn't call it a fear, but there was, I didn't really know um, what I was doing, for lack of a better word. I mean, I was trained, and I, I knew what I, how to serve people and help them financially, but it was sink or swim. That's the model that I came into. I didn't really come into a profession. I came into a, hey, if this works, great, and if it doesn't, we're going to take all these folks that you've started with and give them to the big guys in the office. Mm. And so the first three, it was probably the first three months um, I would spent, especially in the morning time, I had <laughs> gastrointestinal issues. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, I don't know how I've to say I've heard story before. I, not, <laughs> but I didn't know, expect to hear it. Here. No, I know. And it's in, but I, so there was this, this nervousness and I've never really been nervous. I've never been a fearful person. I've never been an anxious person, but I, I was looking and I was thinking, okay, I've, I, this is my third job in a year. And you know, what, what is this in my, getting prepared for my fourth, fifth, sixth job, or, or is this what I'm supposed to do? And I remember there was a there was a time when probably about nine months in when I realized, hey, I can make it. I can make it doing this. Now the question is, do I want to make it doing this? Do I love this? Am I passionate about this? Because I, I know, I knew myself well enough to know if I wasn't just absolutely on fire passionate about something, um, it just wouldn't work for me. And well, and I've watched your passion for financial planning really explode over the most recent years, even. But when I look back on, you know, I've gotten to observe 18 years of your 25 year career here, and um, 
you've always been an amazing financial planner, but also I, I've gotten to observe your growth as an entrepreneur and as a business leader. And I think both of those, you, you've become even more a student of the game as a financial planner, but also uh, studying leadership for you know years and years and years. And that that has accrued, that has grown, and Corhorn Financial Group has benefited from it. So it's, uh, it's one of the reasons why I always love this time in the studio, because we get uh, nuggets of that, uh, that wisdom coming out yeah. on a regular basis. But, but to answer the question, I could close my ears, my, my ears, I could close my ears too, but I could close my eyes 25 years ago and I could see a firm that, that could really, really effectively serve people that were really busy and it's typically people that are really busy that have money and they they want to be busy making money not busy figuring out the many many different ways that they need to steward that money and so i could see a multidisciplinary financial services firm that looked that worked in the financial world like mayo clinic works in the health world yeah. where you were a total solutions provider and you could serve people you know one of the Things that I was just thinking about over the past 25 years, also though, is the to, to kind of pull this back to the theme of this show what's going on in the markets and everything. You think about how many of the 25 years that Corhorn Financial Group has been in existence, how many of them have been positive years in the market mm-hmm. versus, you know, a handful of negative years. Yeah. And yet there's always uncertainty. And uh, you, you know, you have 25 years of perspective looking back on walking through those ups and downs in the market with clients. And um, even though most of the 25 years have been positive, they've all had uncertainty in them. And it, yeah. it's interesting to be kind of ushered into someone's life and help them navigate through that uncertainty. Certainly. <laughs> All right. So what's ahead? What's ahead for what, what's going to drive the market the next uh, six months and what do people need to be doing about it? Well, I, I think to be an investor, you have to have a plan and stick to the plan and not really care about what the markets are doing. Because if you would have looked at at September 21st of last year, your investments would have been up. 15%-ish, and you would have been really happy if the year would have ended there. I think if we could have ended the year June 30th of this year, you would say, okay, my investments are up double digits. I'll take that. It's kind of like, although I'm not a gambler, I'm imagining being in a casino and saying, okay, I'm going to take my chips and walk out now and cash out. But we, we don't get to. We have another half of a year to live. So the 18.5% that large U.S. stocks are up could be 18.5% at the end of the year, could be 38%, could be minus 10. Yeah. We, we have no idea. So because of that uncertainty, in, in times of uncertainty, you seek wisdom. And wisdom says you have a plan, you have a structure for your investments, and make sure you're exposed to the right asset classes and let the markets do 
what they're going to do. Oh my goodness, I I, I completely agree, and and actually want to expand on that because it feels like a time where people are gambling. When you look at, well, will the Fed lower rates? That's a gamble. Will there be a trade deal? That's a gamble. What's going to happen in the election? That's a gamble. No, take the gambling out of it. This is investing. What's your plan say and be disciplined with that plan? Gosh, all right, we've got more to come. Well Coming said. up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal. First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Thank you so much for being with us. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Joshua Gregory and Kevin Corhorn. If you've missed anything, we've been. This is our our halftime investment update. You know, sort of think about the football game where you've come out, you've played the first half, you go into the locker room to say, "All right, let's regroup." What just happened? How do we need to change the game plan to go out and execute well in the second half? That's that's what today's show is all about. There's still quite a bit more to come that we need to we need to talk about. If you've missed any of that though, I would point you to two places. And the first would be the YouTube channel. Just search Wise Money Show on YouTube and and do me a favor, subscribe to it. Um, hit that little bell down below as well so you're notified every time we drop new content. And then you can comment there. You can share. You can thumb it up. You can thumb it down. Honestly, I'll just go ahead if you if you don't don't like the content, but just leave a comment as to what you'd suggest as well. And so that's the first thing I'd tell you to do. The second thing is wherever you listen to podcasts, I personally do iTunes because I've got Apple phones, but it doesn't really matter. Where, wherever you listen to uh, podcasts, search Wise Money Show. You'll find our podcast, subscribe to it, and then do me a favor and and rate it, actually. That really helps us, and it helps others, more importantly than helping us, it helps others who are looking for content about wise financial principles. There's a whole bunch out there, a whole bunch, not about wise financial principles, about Bitcoin or about the the investment du jour or whatever, and, um, and, and hopefully... Hopefully, wise financial principles is something that more and more people need to be hearing about. So I'd encourage you, like the show on podcast and and rate it there as well. You can also leave questions um, by going to wisemoneyradio.com, submit a question right there on the right, and you can even call and text in 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. All right, we had a little PSA in our last segment, and there's a little bit of one. Kevin's fresh off the plane. Um, from an awesome mission trip in Liberia with his wife and daughter and a couple others. So a, a, a quick highlight or how, how'd it go, Kevin? It was a great, so we were actually there for two weeks this time. And we went with a, gr- a group out of uh, Muncie, the church's harvest. And the, um, the name of the group is Hope 2. And it used to be Hope 2 Liberia, but they actually are serving all over the world. So they're going to limit themselves to they're Liberia. Not, they're right? not limited That's to awesome. Liberia, but they've really done some pretty amazing things in Liberia. And they've, um, they have about an eight acre uh, compound with a guest house and with uh, a facility to uh, take care of groups and all, a school. 
And so we were able to spend a, a good amount of time um, at the compound and in the school. We brought some pretty amazing technology to the school, and it's amazing. I watched my lovely wife, who was a first-grade teacher, sit with a woman who was in her 50s, and it took Lori about five hours to teach her two things on the computer. Wow. Uh, one is how to drag and drop, and the other is the space bar and what happens with the space bar. Wow. wow. And so you Stuff we totally take for we granted. We totally, yeah. totally take for granted. Um, I was able to work with Sam Risley, who's the pastor at Harvest in Muncie, uh, with a, a group of churches, the pastors from churches that we've planted. And um, we went through the book of Philippians, and I was reminded as I read through the book of Philippians again that um, Paul wrote that from prison. Mm. And uh, it's the it's a book on joy, and so um, I I just I kept thinking about what would the letter that I wrote from prison look like? Mm-hmm. It would be, would be encouraging. <laughs> Get right. me out of here! Woe is me! Wow! Right, and not 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 praying for and uh, I would be praying for deliverance. He prayed for endurance. So, anyways, it was great to go through Philippians with the pastors and see them um, really soak that up and be encouraged by it and. Um, our Liberian brothers and sisters know how to suffer. There's been no shortage of suffering, mm-hmm. and really, a, a, one of the the poorest countries in the world, and one of the most corrupt countries in the world. And so, there's, it's a it's a very strange, uh, and yet wonderful place to be. All right, all right. Let's transition back into really what you need to be doing right now in your portfolio with the first six months done, the next six months of 2019 ahead, guys. What do you need to be doing? You know, we we commented at the very beginning of the show about how amazing the growth has been in the first half of the year, especially in the stock market based here in the U.S. So that's large or small size companies. This could represent a very large portion of your portfolio right now. And it may even represent a bigger portion of your portfolio than it needs to be. And so within the context of whatever goal it is that you're trying to achieve, I think it's important to to stop and recognize how much growth do I need out of this portfolio over the coming years or even decades. And let that be your timeline that you're evaluating your portfolio on. And it's probably a time most people need to be rebalancing their portfolio. That might mean trimming back some of those amazing winners and buying the stuff that's still more relatively cheap. Uh, buying what's lower after selling what's higher. That's what rebalancing is, and it's really one of the most disciplined things that you can do as an investor. And I think now is the time to do that if you haven't done it in a while. We have a disciplined approach at KFG where we do that a few times a year, and yeah, we just did it. We just rebalanced all of our client accounts to snap things back to the right allocation. Uh, I would I would expand on what Josh said a little bit. Um, you're talking about you know, focus on, you know, when you're going to, um, the next 20 years or long-term or whatever. And I, I would actually say it a little differently and say, now is a great time to look at your time horizon. Sure. That one often gets kind of swept along with the other, your risk tolerance and your investment objectives in time horizon. And time horizon is critically important right now. Any money that you're going to need in the short term, 
it shouldn't be invested for the long term. Right. 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 I, I can't say it any better than that. Um, so what money do you need in the short term? And be disciplined with that. What money do you need in the intermediate term? That shouldn't be invested for the long term either. And then what money is long term money that you won't touch for the long term? And despite what your emotions might tell you and what the headlines might say, it should be invested for the long term. Yeah, if you if you said, what should I do today? Today, look and see if you have any 529 plan money that you're going to need this fall for your college student or your high school student or your K-12 student and get that money if it's invested, get it out of the market into cash. Be careful because there's with a, there are lots of rules on how much and how often. You can only make a change to your 529 plan investment mix once per year. I think right? they might have changed it to twice a year, but it still is limited. Yeah. I, 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 and I think it might be twice a year, but I, I, you're right. I, I have to reference that every time because yeah. it, it doesn't stick. But so so do that, but also look at your take a peek at your financial plan. Are you ahead? Are you behind? Are you right on pace? And you should have a great answer to that. If you don't, you need a plan. So find a find a planner, make sure they're certified. Make sure it's what they do. Not not just not just someone who will sell you investments, but find someone who does certified financial planning and make sure that your investment mix fits as a as a piece of the puzzle into your financial plan. I'm so glad that you took this particular episode, which is about investments, but you brought us back to financial planning. And, you know, another financial planning theme or, or a task, a responsibility, you could say, is also reevaluating your budget. Some people set their budget and just kind of forget about it. Um, if you're not at least reevaluating where you stand on a monthly basis, I hope that maybe at least on a quarterly basis, you're looking back at the data and saying, okay, I thought I was gonna spend in this area. That was my intention, but what has reality been? And maybe there's some adjustments that need to be made within your cash flow over the next six months. That's important because you have to maintain margin so that you have saving capacity for any of these long-term goals we've been talking about. All right, so here's what I, here's what I heard, that you should, now's a good time to rebalance. You've got to tune into your financial plan to see if you're taking the right level of risk for your plan. You've got to tune into your time horizon to see what you need in the short term and intermediate term and invest it appropriately for those time horizons. And then and then I would also tell you, find out what your investment strategy is. Now, we've got some that pivot, that are dynamic, that aren't static, but, but some people do that on a whim try to make some quick changes with just emotion. Find out what your strategy is and stick to that strategy, regardless of the short-term news headlines or what's going on in the market. So, all right, that is all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for being with us. On behalf of Kevin Corhorn, Josh Gregory, and all of us at Corhorn Financial Group, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.